All right. So that's the basic source in the Gemara. We said a person who's koveya lomakom l'tfilasa, who establishes a place for his davening, uh, he's viewed as an onav, as a humble and righteous person, and he's of the disciples of Avram Avinu, because the source of, of setting a place comes from Avram. So what's the basic philosophy behind having a makom kavua? A couple different suggestions we find in the Rishonim, the Rashba writes, that it's in order to increase our yira, our awe and reverence of tefillah. Having the same place allows us to have Kovid Rosh. What's the definition of Kovid Rosh? It means heaviness of the head, to have a sense of severity for the tefillah. The Pharisee Israel actually points out in the Mishnah, he says, is that state of mind, is that like the ideal? Are we supposed to live with Kovid Rosh? He says, of course not. We find Kovid Rosh regarding tefillah. When it comes to davening, you have to have a level of intensity. But he says, in general, the ideal is kalos haguf. You want to live relaxed and tranquil, menuchos nefesh. Certain times of life or certain experiences like tefillah, then we need Kovid Rosh. And says the Rashba, that is the, the reason why we have a makom kavua. Comes along the Me'iri, and the Me'iri says it's helpful as well for our kavana, for our paying attention to the tefillah because it's limiting distraction. If you're in the same place, the same surroundings, the same people, I'm, I'm not distracted by what's around me. I've been here, done that, and I can focus on the sitter. If every time I'm davening, I'm in a different location, I can look at this part of the wall or this part of the ceiling. There are always things that could pull my attention. So that's the Me'iri's understanding. The riff comes along, and he says that it's actually a reflection of my chashivus, of my value for tefillah. If I were to daven wherever I find myself, I'm on the way to work, so I'll pull over in a parking lot and daven there. Or I'm in the office, I didn't daven minch yet with the, with the minion, I'll daven somewhere in the office. So that's showing that I'm not really careful about tefillah. And therefore, koveya lo makum tefillah doesn't necessarily mean you have to have one particular spot, according to the riff. This means you have to go to the same place in Davin. Go to a shul. Don't Davin anywhere you find yourself. Fourth interpretation is in the Eshel of Ram. Eshel of Ram says that the goal of having a makom kavua is to avoid machlokas. Because if we're always sitting in different spots, and then I like this spot, but I come tomorrow and you're in that spot and I'm in this spot, there's bilbul, there's confusion. So in order to avoid fighting and, and machlokis, you have a makam kavua. This is my spot, this is your spot, everything is b'shalom. Those are four interpretations of the Gemara. Now, if you were to ask the question, are there any nafkaminas, are there any practical differences, halakhically speaking, between these four understandings of the Gemara? So I'll give you one example. If you take the rips approach, where it's not about having one particular spot, it's just, don't dive in anywhere you find yourself have your location. So according to the riff, likely it doesn't make a difference what seat I'm in. As long as I'm going to shul, that's sufficient. Um, another potential nafkamina would be, is there a need for a makam kavua when you're learning? It's only referenced in the Gemara. There's actually two Gemaras. One Gemara on Daf Bav, and there's another Gemara right after on Daf Zion, where it says, kol koveya makam litfilaso, Anyone who establishes a place for tefillah, oivav noflim tachto, your enemies will fall before you. 
But the, the reference to Kavua, having a set place, is only for tefillah. Is there a need for a set place when it comes to learning? So you could argue that according to the riff, probably not. It sounds like it's unique to davening. When it comes to learning, I should learn. No matter where I am, no matter what I'm doing. According to the Me'iri, let's say, where it's about avoiding distraction, and if in a, in a different spot I'll see different things to take me away from tefillah, it would seem that would also take me away from, from learning. And the truth is, the Mishnah Bura in Kufnon Hay, Sifkot and Zion, when he speaks about our morning schedule, Mechaber tells us that after davening we should go immediately to learning, Vayikva Eis Lilmod, and set aside a time for learning, and that time should be set, that nothing will, will take me away from that. So the Mechaber just mentions having a set time. Mishnah Bura comes along, and he says, One should try to have his Torah learning in the base Medrash. And there he should have a set place for learning. It's not just about having a time where if it's in the morning, if it's part of night Seder, this is my time, it's a chok yavor that I'm never going to miss as long as I can control it. But you should also set a place for learning. So according to the Me'iri, that makes a lot of sense. Because if I keep on moving my spot, I could be distracted. All right. There's actually more of a Kabbalistic interpretation of this Gemara as well. The Marsha quotes the idea that when you change locations, there's a different hashba, there's a different influence. And right, the Gemara says that if you want to become wise when you're davening Shemana Esrei, you should face a little bit towards the south. If you want to become wealthy, you should face a little bit towards the north. So direction could make a difference. But the idea of having a makom kavua for tefillah is, I'm, I'm not trying to find different ways or different avenues or different ways of, of manipulating the system. It's all about HaKadosh Baruch Hu, everything's in your hands. So it's a way of strengthening our bitachon. That's the approach of the marsha. Does music seem very, very practical <clears throat> about just, just making your davening and, and learning better? How does that fit with the Gemara? The seems like a little bit overblown, considering why you're doing that. You're an anav, you're a chassid. I mean, you would think that this is like some like I don't know, very spiritual, very big picture, very like relationship with Hashem. Like when it comes down to like, okay, so I won't fight with the guy next to me about where I'm sitting. The Gemara's like, description of what they're going to say about you after you pass away seems a little bit overblown, exaggerated. Yeah. Okay, I hear that. It's practical also because when you when they make a, which you would never know of it, when they make a hesped of somebody, you know that guy who sat. You know, they, it's easy to identify an individual that is always there, you know. He's See, it, the it's almost counterintuitive because when you picture that guy who's super makvid, this is my seat. But there's no place to sit. This is my spot. So you don't think anivus. Right? You don't think humility. <laughs> or, or trying to avoid confrontation. Right. But, but I want to tell you, I want to tell you, if I, 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 if I have an opportunity, my father, Al-Oshalom, used to say, Jay, when anybody has yard site, after 120 years, and they have yard site, it's absolutely 
imperative that you get the oven. There's only one exception if somebody else wants it. <laughs> only one exception. There's a famous story with Rabbi Yisrael Salanta. He said the same thing about your seat. It's very important that you have your seat. There's only one exception. Anybody else is in it, that's the exception. Beautiful. Well, no, so the, the, the story is where, where, where he was about to say Kaddish, and in his shul they had the custom that only one person says Kaddish at a time, and he had yard site for his father. And then there was a visitor who was there and didn't realize that was the, the minig of the shul. So he starts saying Kaddish, and everyone, shh, no, no, Mr. Hosseng. And in his, his style, obviously, he said, no, it's fine, let him say Kaddish. So afterwards, he explained, he said, well, what's the whole point of saying Kaddish? The whole thing is that it should be an aliyah for the neshama. So clearly this fellow really wants to say Kaddish for his father. So my derech eret should be an aliyah for my neshama, for my father's neshama. So, so why is it such a big deal? It could be that it's, it's more of a simon, it's more of a reflection that if, if this is how you're treating tefillah, then it's indication that you do have a strong relationship with Hashem. And you are an onav and you are a chassid. But you're right, it, it, it sounds like from all these different interpretations, it's besides the marsha, it's not so much of a mystical thing, it's more of a practical thing. But the shmuz or the, the lesson might be, these small things can make a big difference. Over many years of davening, it could be an entirely different experience. So that's, that's the basic source. Let's go through a couple other ones. We have uh, a famous machlokis, the Rebbe Yona and the Rush, and how to understand this Gemara and where it applies. The Rebbe Yona. And I apologize for not having numbers on the sources this time. On the left here, the Rebbeinu Yonah says, "Lo amr zev makoma shall basekanesis." This whole discussion is not referring to shul. Dekiva and shekula makom tfilahi ein lahakbid im yoshev palmin bezavazu palmin bezu. As long as you're in the shul, doesn't make a difference if you're in that corner or in that corner, which would fit nicely with the Rif's understanding of the Gemara. Alaratzaloma shekoveya makom tfilas bebeso. It just means if you're davening at home because you can't make it to shul, then you should have a set place in your house where you're davening. Mm-hmm. It happens once in a while. So then, You'll daven in your home, but you'll have a special spot for that. That's his understanding of the Gemara. But he would say, in shul, who cares? As long as you're there, it doesn't make a difference. Comes along the rush. It's the same as far as? What's that? Well, that fits nicely with the, with the riff, where the whole point of the Gemara is, don't just daven anywhere you find yourself, daven in the shul. It probably doesn't go along with the Rashba or the Me'iri, right? because it sounds like there's something objectively beneficial about sitting in my spot and not being distracted by other things or new things. Well, let's see the rush for a moment. The rush says, this is the, the fourth line, the last word on the fourth line, it's not teaching us that you have to only daven in one shul. Uh, second bottom line, rather the, the main message of the Gemara is whatever shul I'm davening in. Right, let's say I'm, a, I'm a, a snowbird and I'm in Florida for half the year and I'm in New York for the other half of the year. So my shul in New York, I'll have my makam kavua, and then my shul in Florida, I have my makam kavua. But clearly the rush is understanding this gemara, not referring to what you do at home, it's talking about what you do in shul. So in shul you should have a makam kavua. How do we paskin, practically speaking? 
So the Mahabra teaches us in Simon Sadi Sif Yudtes, and this is on the bottom right. Yikba Makumatvilaso, you should set a place for your davening. Shalayishaneyu imlo litsorich, and you should not change places imlo litsorich unless there's a need. Have to define that. It's not sufficient to have one shul that you're davening in. But I have my shul, and in my shul I have my makom. So is the Shulchan Aruch paskating like the Rebbe Yona or the Rosh? It's paskating like the Rosh. That it's not just at home, but it's at shul as well. Comes along the Mishnah Burr, this is not actually on the sheets, the Mishnah Bura says, he quotes the, uh, the Gemara, the precedent with Avram Avinu standing in the, same, in the same spot. But then he says, <coughs> When you're davening at home, you should also have your place. So your family doesn't disturb you. So what the Mishnah Bura is doing is saying, although the Mechaber Paskins like the Rosh, that even at Shul we have to have a set place, but don't forget about the Rebbe Yonah. If you happen to be at home, you should also have a set place. Now how do you define Makam Kavua? Does that mean I have to have one particular seat? So the, the Magan of Ram says, this is the bottom left, Makam Kavua, venerally, detoch dalet amos choshiv makom echad. Anywhere within four amos is considered one spot. Efshar litzamseim. Morning. Because it's impossible to be so precise. Anywhere within four amos is considered your makom kavua. Now clearly the Mogan of Ram never met a yek. The efshar litzamseim. There are people who are efshar litzamseim, right? But the halacha is as long as you're within four amos, that's your makom kavua. Now based on this, this interesting halacha when it comes to an ovil, lower lenu, someone's in the year of mourning for a parent. So we know the custom is that they change their seat at shul, and they sit in a different spot. <coughs> the the Mechaber writes in Yeridei Shin Tzadi Gimel, Hanoagim kishehem mevelim shelo lishanos mikomem basic kenesis b'shabbos yofa heim osim. The Mechaber says even though you have the custom to change the seat during the year of Avelos, many have the custom not to do so on Shabbos, but rather to sit in their regular seat. Why would Shabbos <coughs> be different? There's no, it, it can't be nicker of Avelos. You can't show Avelos. So there are reasons given. One of the basic reasons is it, it's showing that I'm not the same. And it will mess up my kavana. And I'm not going to have the same intensity. And I will be confused a little bit. But it's all part of the availus. It's all part of the kibbut of the aim, showing that I'm not the same person I was before. That's one reason. Can you switch over to see the Dalat Amos? Oh, so we're going to get there in a second. First, the Ramah comes along and says, The Ramah argues on the Machaber, and he says that our custom is, even on Shabbos, during that year of Avelis, you have a different spot. And this is This is the accepted practice, at least with the, the Ashkenazim. Comes along the Pischei Tshuva, and he quotes from the Chamudei Daniel. He says, in order to fulfill this custom of changing your spot, 
Tzorich laharchik dalit amos, you have to make sure to go at least four amos away from your original spot. Because if you don't, you're still considered in the same place. And that's based on the Magan of Ram in Simin Tzadi and Orachayim. So you see, anywhere within dalit amos is considered my Mokam Kavua. What was that? I hear. I hear. Okay, so that's the basic Gemara. We have the debate between the Rebbe Yonah and the Rosh. We see the Mechaber Paskins like the Rush. Even actual, we have to have a Mokum Kavua. And we have the description of the Magan of Ram anywhere within Daladamos is considered my Makom Kavua. Now, does Makom Kavua apply to all of Davening? Do I have to be in, this, in my special spot for the entire tefillah? Oh, so we're going to get to walking around in a moment. So the, the Rosh Yosef, Yosef Paskins and other Echonim as well, that the, the, real, the real concern for Makom Kavua is for Shmon Esra. For the rest of davening, if it's not convenient or it's not working out, I could be sitting in a different spot. The main thing is during Shon Esrei, where there's a need for real intensity and focus, I have my Makam Kavua. If you're, if you're at home and you're able to lock a door, it doesn't matter which room that you're in. So according to the Meiri and the Rashba, the answer is, yeah, it's better to have your spot. Because so even though I can lock the door, and they might not be pounding on it, they might, you know. But uh, having my, my similar surroundings make it easier. But it, we also change, it's very common to change from a weekday davening to Shabbos davening, not, not just those that we're going to be moving from there to here. I Meaning if you're in a massive shul and you have your weekday chapel, as we now do, right? Yeah, massive shul. Yeah. And then we have our, our main sanctuary for Shabbos and Yantif. So it sounds like based on what we learned so far, you should make sure to have a Malcolm Kavua in each spot. During the week I have my place, and then on Shabbos I have my place over here. Now we get to the, uh, the juicy part of the discussion. So I have my spot, I have everything lined up perfectly, my talus bag, my sitter, everything just the way I like it. And I come 40 seconds late to davening on a Shabbos morning. And I see there's a family visiting probably somewhere in Flatbush and they're here with like seven kids. And all my stuff is just like moved around. My talus bag is on the four tables back. My sitter is open on the floor. And all the kids are sitting in my spot. What do I do? So on one hand, you could argue, listen, there's a halacha in Shulchan Aruch that you have your makam kavua. So you'll say in a very nice way, as the title of the shir, excuse me, you're in my seat. Welcome to our community. Nice to have you here for Shabbos. Get out of here. <laughs> but you are in my spot. And there are 14 other seats available, so make yourself comfortable. I could hear that. The other angle would be, maybe there's a special consideration when you have a guest. Someone's visiting, and you want them to feel at home. You want them to feel welcomed. And it happens to be there's a mitzvah in the Sefer Echinech Mitzvah, Tough Lamed Aleph, is Avas Hager, loving the Ger. Now, the simple understanding of that mitzvah is those who have the, the Gevura, the courage, and the clarity of mind to be able to come from a non Jewish life and convert to Judaism, there's a special mitzvah to love them. 
And especially because sometimes it's awkward to try to get into a new culture and a new society. So there's an extra obligation that we have to love them and take care of them and guide them as much as we can. Says the, the Sefer Echinach on the top here of page 2. We can learn from this precious mitzvah, that we should have compassion on any human being, who's in a city, it's not their place of birth, it's not the place of their mishpacha, but they're visiting. So although the mitzvah is talking about a ger in the classic sense, we could learn that we should have rachmanus and compassion on a person who's visiting our city from a different place. In the Sefer Mitzvah HaKatzer, who was the author of that Sefer, by the way? The Sefer Mitzvah HaKatzer was authored by the Chafetz Chaim. And what he does, he takes all of the mitzvahs that are applicable nowadays, and he has a nice, concise book. Mitzvah Samach Aleph, he writes, it's a mitzvah saseh le'ehoves hager, we have a mitzvah to love the ger. And he says, Perush ger kan, hu shebo me'eretz acheres. It's not limited to a ger, but it's anyone who comes from a different land, ume'er acheres, or from a different city, logor osonu, to live, to dwell with us. Mikol shekein ger shenizgayer. So we see from the Sefer Echinuch and the Chafetz Chaim in more contemporary terms that someone who's coming from a different city, not only is it a nice thing and it's derech eretz, but it seems like it's included in the mitzvah derais of Avas Hager. So I think the, the, the basic theme we're, we're gleaning from these sources is that anyone who feels out of place, right, that's included in Avas Hager. We should have a special cheshivas, a special feeling of sensitivity. We want to make them feel at home because this is not their place. Just as a point of clarity, so one is, Makam Kavua is Kedurabanan, and this could be a Daraisa. That's, that's a point of clarity. Nice point of clarity. This is definitely, at least in the, in the category of a Daraisa. Yeah. But a Makam Kavua is not in the category. Right, a makam kavu is not a deraisa. Although we do learn it from that verse with Avraham, it's not a it's not a mitzvah deraisa. But the question is, how do we balance the two ideas? What if the guest takes the rub seat? Yeah. I mean, that was one thing I was somewhat relieved about. We <laughs> <laughs> were moving into this room. Everyone's a little bit nervous about getting their seat, but I knew, like, I had my spot reserved. <laughs> so I had nothing to be. I came and strolled in seven o'clock for mincha, you know. <laughs> yeah. What if a person is moving into community? So at that point, he's like a gear that first week he's there, but then he's going to be there from now on. It's a good question. So I think that's really included in the line here he read that if they're coming from a different city, it doesn't just mean they're visiting. But if they're moving from a different city, they would have that same status. How long does that status last for? So we do find different discussions in halacha. Am I considered part of this city, part of that city? If I'm visiting, then 30 days, right? If I'm here to stay, then it could even take place immediately. But the basic hashkafa is someone who doesn't feel at home yet, we have an extra obligation to make them feel welcome. So you try to take these two things and balance them. On one hand, we have the concept of makam kavua. On the other hand, in this particular situation, you have visitors coming from out of town, and they're totally messing up your spot. But do I say, Abbas Hager, I have to love them, I have to make them feel at home. Now, perhaps you could argue, What's the Sefer Chinuch talking about? What's, what's the Chafetz Chaim talking about? 
They're talking about a time where you have a family traveling by horse and buggy hundreds of miles, and they're stopping off at your city just looking for some food and water and some shelter, and they're going to move on or they're going to stay. But there's a real tzorach, there's a real need. You have to take care of them. You could argue, in contrast to someone who wants to hang out in Boca for a week and a half just because they have summer vacation and it's a fun place to go, maybe it doesn't fall in the same category. They, they can take care of themselves. Maybe I don't have to be as concerned. <coughs> so, Rabbi, <coughs> yes. From a practical point of view, couldn't you have some arrangements beforehand where any guests come in, you have a separate section set up for them? So let's, that's a very insightful point. Let's hold off on the practicalities for a moment, because we'll see it's not so easy. You know, and we actually did give it a lot of thought beforehand. Is that, is that possible? Can you have a particular section of the shul that's saved for guests? Sometimes the answer is yes, if you have enough spots. But then where do you put them? If we have, oh, that the section in the back right corner, that's for guests. We're probably not fulfilling this mitzvah of Ava Sager, making them feel comfortable. On the other hand, if we take up key spots in the front or the middle and community members say, listen, I, I want to sit here. And then given the fact that we don't have many spots to begin with, to say this whole area is reserved for people from out of town, not simple from a practical standpoint but definitely a possibility. But on the other way around, there are shuls that do have names, name tags for... So we'll have to explore that as well, if, if that's the best approach. Because again, if we're concerned for Abbas Aguirre, and I walk in and I'm looking at all the spots on the table, you know, this is Mr. Goldsmith, and this is Mr. So-and-so, where do I sit? If I sit here, I'm in someone's spot. <coughs> Somebody in charge. Yeah. Have what? Seat so let's do this. How about what, I, I do want to get to the practicalities of it. How about we just finish the halachic sources and then we'll jump to what do we do? Lemaisa. One last source is the Rambam and Hechus Tefillah. The Rambam writes that there are eight things that when you're davening you should be careful with. However, if it's a pressing situation or I'm an ones and I'm not able to do one of these eight things, it does not prevent the Tefillah. Meaning to say, you're still Yotze, it's considered as if you daven, but it's not the ideal way of doing it. What are these eight things? Amida, Nochach Amigdash, Tikkun HaGuf, Tikkun HaMabushim, the Tikkun HaMakom. Let's focus on that one. One of the eight requirements, at least ideally, is Tikkun HaMakom. And he's referring to the Gemara of having your set spot. Yet he says that these are all good and well in L'Chadchilo, Unless it's dochok onenas, unless I'm in a tight situation or it's difficult to do. Well, let's keep that in mind as we now approach the Cheshukai Chembet. Who is the author of the Cheshukai Chembet? Who is the author? Rabbi Yitzchak Zilberstein. So he has this very question. He says the Shaila is as follows. We learn in Brachos, Davav, Kolakovea, Makamut, Filasan, Lekev, Ram, Azro. Anyone who has their place, Hashem, the Lekei of Rome, will be in their assistance. And the Gemara and Brachas and Davzayim, that if you have your Makam Kavua, your enemies will fall before you. And then he quotes the Rambam that says the eight things we should do ideally in one of these eight things are having a Makam Kavua. So, Yesh Ayin, let's explore. 
What's the halach if someone comes from a different place and he's sitting in your spotted shul? Do you go up to him obviously in a very pleasant way? Excuse me, you know, we have other seating. Because this is my spot. Or do we say, because the Chafetz Chaim told us that the mitzvah of loving the Ger includes someone who's coming from a different city, so maybe I should let him stay here. That's the question of Reb Zilberstein. Let's take a look here at Tshuva. The second paragraph is his answer. He says... My psak is, you should let him stay where he is and not daven in your makam kavua. Why? The Rambam does say that these eight things, one of them having your special spot, they're ideal unless it's a shas and chak. You're in a bind. If someone's in your spot, then we say halachically, that's considered as if I'm in a bind. Because I'm concerned I might embarrass him. He might feel unwelcome. And it says if you look at the words of the Shulchan Aruch carefully, this is what we saw before in Simon Sadi when he, when he quotes the Gemara, the Mechaber says, You should have your place, and you shouldn't change from your spot, unless there's a need. So how do you define a need? Rabbi Zilberstein is suggesting, if someone's there and you're concerned that if you say something, you're going to make them feel bad, that's considered a tzorach. And that would be the right thing to do. Let him stay there. I'll find a different spot. Could that be that's part of Avram Yes. Yes. When it says having your makom, I'm emulating Abram, just like he had his makom, but at the same time to have that generosity like Abram? Potentially. Potentially. So that's the Psak of Rib Zilberstein. So he takes the Sefer Echinach and the, and the Sefer Mitzvah Katzer and he applies it to nowadays as well, even the travelers who are not coming hours on horse and buggy. Uh, there's something else I saw quoted from the Reish's Chachma. The Rishis Chachma was one of the great disciples of Ramosha Cordovero, one of the great masters of Kabbalah. And he says, a small little paragraph, This is Derech Eretz, Kishyekadnes B'Yeshiva. How am I supposed to enter into Yeshiva or Shul? Yitain Sholom L'Chol HaYoshvim. I should say hello to everyone who's there. V'Yoshev below Haseba. When I sit down, I should do so without reclining. There's no mitzvah to come in and sit down like this. And I should find a place that's appropriate for me, or perhaps even less than what I feel I'm deserving of. I shouldn't look for a spot that's greater than myself. However, if somebody else sits in your spot, I usually sit here and someone else is here. What do I do? Says the Reish's Chachma, Al Yakbid. Don't be Makbid. Don't say anything. 
So the basic uh, instructions here, basically is saying we should be like Rabbi Yachnis, right? We should enter, when people come in the shul, we should have a smile, we should say Shalom Aleichem. Now we did mention before, there is a halachic restrictions of saying Shalom Aleichem in the morning before davening Shachris. You shouldn't say Shalom, which is the, the name of Hashem before davening, but you're allowed to say a hearty good morning or a good Shabbos. That's mutter and it's a mitzvah to do so. But we see that the psak here of the Reish's Chachma and the psak of Zilberstein is if someone's sitting in your spot, don't kick them out. That's in general. Did anybody say them? No. Now, a couple quick applications from this basic idea. So, just to be clear, no one says you should. No one. No one that I've There's seen. No one we've seen. No one that I've seen. People ask, is there any source that says X, Y, and Z, right? So you can't answer that question. <laughs> is there any source? Chaim Falaji, you know, it could be. But I, I haven't seen anything in this. A couple applications. Number one is, let's say I have my Malcolm Kavua. Obviously not in our shul, elsewhere. But then, like, it turns out people around me are schmoozing, and it's kind of distracting. So should I try to, like, just plow through and keep my spot? Or should I change my seat? So pretty much based on all of the explanations, perhaps besides the Marsha, but leaving out the, the Kabbalistic approach, all of the practical ideas would answer, yeah. Because if it's distracting me more, or let's say they're not talking, but I have a good friend sitting next to me, and I know it's, it's a constant challenge for me not to share something funny or cute with him, so then I should change my spot. That, that's enhancing my kavana. It happens to be there is a source that says, in order to enhance kavana, you should sit next to people you love. So it's a balance. On one hand, when you feel a sense of camaraderie and achdus, that could enhance the tefillah. On the other hand, if I see it's too much of a challenge not to be speaking to that person, then change your spot. What is the only sent after one week? Mr. Shul sent out an email that this was received now because he chose it for one week. I don't know. See, there, there's actually a tshuva in the Chassam Sofer who speaks about pretty much what happened this past week. Now, he's coming from a different angle. He's talking about a show where people paid money for their spot, right? Besides the, the monthly dues, I pay special money for this, this seat. And then they had to change locations. So he was coming from a financial perspective. Do I have the same right to the seat? And if I do, how do you calculate that? There's actually debate because people had a spot very close to the Aro, but in the new shul, based on the configuration, if you're closer to the Aron, then you're farther up, and it was a whole confusion. What am I, what am I zochet to? Now, putting aside the financial piece, we're just talking from a, you know, we don't pay for our seats, we're community members, and whether or not we pay dues, we all have a right to a spot, so if I have my Mokum Kavu there, does it transfer here? Halachalamaisa should be as much as possible to keep the spot you had before. If you want to keep that spot, you should be able to do so. Now, for some people, based on the new configuration, I don't want to be on the right side of the room, I want to be on the left side of the room, whatever my, my cheshbonus are. In which case, you should also be able to do so. So, I, I think the system of the shul's open, anyone who really cares, who's mocked about their spot, please come early and then stake claim, probably the best approach halachically and, and practically for the shul to come out and say we made a seating chart 
So some people might love it if it's a seat they want, but psychologically, if I'm placed in, the, in a seat that I don't want to be in, that doesn't feel good for anybody. Now it could be what we'll do is if everyone's happy with their seat, so we go a few weeks like this and it becomes more of the accepted norm, then we can make a seating chart before Yom Nuroyim, which we'll probably need to do anyway, just for organization. But um, those are some of the sources for the halacha of Makam Kavua, some of the philosophy behind it, and some of the practical application. Any questions? So it's, let's say your your Makam Kavua is in one spot, and then a few seats, it's like a seat or two next to it, and there's a guest in your spot. But if you sit within your Dalamos, the person will probably feel bad, he'll probably think he's in your seat. Is that... No, you could, I mean, if... I don't think I'd be so concerned if you sit next to the guy and you can say, no, I'm right over here. And it's not even a lie because this is my Mokum Kavua. I usually I sit over there, but this is also my Mokum Kavua. What about if you sit next to that person that you're going to sit and there's someone else to see and you're pushing him off also, but you want to stay within your Daladamos? So then he'll be in his Daladamos. <laughs> Listen. Is that the right way to do it? So it depends on who that person is. <laughs> if, if he's the person that really cares about that spot, again, you know, it's all about taking into consideration, like was mentioned, the idea of avoiding machlokus, which according to the Eshel of Rome is the whole reason behind the halacha, and it's something that has a much higher priority than Melkam Kavua. If I feel that by sitting in any particular spot, I'm going to be ruffling someone's feathers, whether or not they're right or wrong for getting upset about this, I should try my best not to make machlokas. And that seems to trump the Malcolm Kavua. Yeah? Um, is there leniency to, like if you're a visitor from the other side and you're coming into a new shul, is there leniency to kind of interrupt someone while they're diving to ask them like where would be a good place to sit? Yeah, I mean the best way to do it, you don't have to make them talk, but hopefully you'll be there 10 minutes early anyway so they could be speaking before tefillah. <laughs> but if I do walk in, I'm allowed to say there's any spot for guests. See what they say? From the point of the reasons that we gave him up from Kavua, it doesn't seem like there's like a lifetime commitment to keep sitting where I've been sitting. It's just more like the idea of a consistency that will, you know, have my dominant be a good dominant going forward. So, so the whole discussion about like, can I ever switch doesn't seem, doesn't seem so valid. You know, like it's, a, it's, a, it's okay to switch as long as like now that's going to be your new seating, you're going to keep sitting there and you'll develop that consistency again. But the idea of like I've been here, I've been here now. There's a whole style of if I could ever move or ever switch, or doesn't seem like such a strong argument based on what the idea of Malcolm Kavua is. So, so it's not so much of a question: Am I allowed to switch? Right. All the terminology in the post game is: Do I have a right to my seat? Meaning, if I want to keep my same location, am I zocha to that spot? But you're 100% correct. If I want to switch spots and have a new chazaka, that's fine. And it's more of a question is can I can I choose my spot based on where I was before? When a person's in Avelis, they move their seat. Then Avelis is up. Do they get that old seat? And what happens if somebody new moved in and has now made that that their mind to build? So the best thing is if the person who's in Avelis really wants to return to that spot mm-hmm. and, and they do have a to that seat, it should be made known to that person. You know, that so and so is in Avelis and after the year's up, he'll be returning here. So although we try to be nice to guests, obviously, and Abbas Aguirre is a, in the category of a deraisa, you, you have to know yourself as well. If someone's sitting in your spot and you're concerned they're now going to be here for the next eight years and I'm going to hate them because they took my spot, 
then you have to have a conversation. You know? no, it, it's a major factor. It's one thing if a guest comes in for the weekend, I don't have my spot for Shabbos, but if there's someone who's moving in and, and making themselves comfortable, you know, getting the little clock over here and you know, all set up in my, in my seat, so then you just say something to avoid sinner. It's also very different what the guy, as he sat down there, versus at the Chalant, and then the Kiddush, or a week later, he just stuck with the same feelings and not. It's probably a good idea to have someone else have that conversation. Right. So, so the, the, that's where Rabbi point comes in, that if you have someone who's designated, he's the seat guy. Mr. Greenwald. Right. 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 Mr. Greenwald. <laughs> <laughs> All right, have a wonderful day, everybody. That last thing was correct. We have somebody of authority who was in the committee of, you know, right. right, 100%. Yeah. Okay. All right, nice to have you here. Yeah. Nice. We'll be in touch this week. Yes. I think you got the audience.